0: After another embarrassing All-Star Weekend, it's time somebody addressed the elephant in the room. The NBA has an entitlement problem, why it's time to kill All-Star Weekend entirely. Plus, the Celtics fly to Chicago to kick off the final third of the season. Where do things stand in the race for the Larry O'Brien trophy? And what is the most statistically effective play in the NBA today? Celtic fans won't be surprised to hear what it is, and you will next inside Lucky's Lounge. Let's go. After a week of vacation, rested and tanned, the Boston Celtics are back tonight. Good morning, everybody. Captain Ron Flanders here with my teammate, Guillermo Diaz. Guillermo, how was your All-Star weekend?
1: Oh, man, good to be back. Good to have some Celtic basketball tonight. All-Star weekend was... A little subdued because Jalen didn't win the dunk contest, and uh, some of my guys that I was pulling for in the three-point and the skills challenge didn't win. But uh, overall, it was it was fun to watch, fun to you know take part of, and something that we you know did we didn't have regular basketball, so it was fun to see everybody out there taking part in All Star Weekend.
0: You know, our listeners are figuring out after what 30 some odd episodes that there are differences in opinion. And that's why you have two hosts. Uh, you know, you've got a Gen X and a millennial. Um, as you heard in the intro there, I, the captain believed that all-star weekend should go away. Um, I think there were a lot of fun components to it, but I just think that the NBA continues to be clown itself with what this weekend has devolved into now, for the Celtics, Jalen Brown in the dunk contest jason tatum who who was a participant with him as a as a well dressed prop in that <laughs> contest um you know that was kind of fun, and then they both played for the the winning Eastern Conference team, but along the way, I mean just. Event after event underwhelmed as far as I'm concerned, Guillermo.
1: What you talking about, Ron? I mean, <laughs> I know it wasn't what we wanted in terms of the flash, but I thought the LED board court was kind of cool to have. And, um, you know, the three-point contest was pretty entertaining. You had four a four-way tie with 26 points after the first go-around where they had to have a tiebreaker, and unfortunately Halliburton lost to Dame Lillard. Um, I thought this dunk contest was a little lackluster. I just would want the G League guys let's just stay in the G League and play in that dunk contest. We got to see Justin Jackson from the Maine Celtics win the G League dunk contest. Like, let McClung and Toppin play in that dunk contest and push other guys... Yeah, you had Jaime Haquez and JB, but, you know, push other guys to join, even if they're not all-star caliber players, and see what those guys can do. But overall, even the skills challenge, I thought that was kind of fun. I'm happy that Team Pacers won it, even though I was kind of pulling for team first picks.
0: Did you watch uh, that live?
1: Yeah, I watched all of it live. I, I'm a basketball fanatic, so I was going to watch it no matter what. And the All Star Game. This is what has happened to All Star Games in every league. You know, we see the football All Star Game is now a flag football with a bunch of other skills challenges involved with it. We see that the baseball All Star Game has gotten to the whole whoever wins it has home field advantage in the um, in the World Series. So that hasn't really helped that either for me, all-star games have died down because the main reason for all-star games in the past was because you wouldn't be able to see those guys play on TV back in the day. So you only had them that one chance, um, to see them all together on TV. Now, I mean, you can pull out your phone and see those guys do any highlights on any of, you know, the platforms out there. So I know that all star games have died down, but I still enjoy the all star game. I know it was two hundred to uh, two hundred eleven points, but they should incentivize it to some extent, maybe just like the IST, and throw some more dollars at these guys to maybe play a little bit more defense rather than uh, just being a layup line. I,
0: I I could not disagree with you more. There's a lot of things that you said there that are one hundred percent correct about the, the all-star game and why it is less of a, you know, necessary showcase right. for the stars of the league. I mean, the first NBA all-star game was played at Boston Garden. Easy Ed McCauley was the MVP. And back then it wasn't televised, but it was a way to get the stars of the world. You know, back then college basketball was king. But to get them onto the court and, you know, I think they put 10,000 fans in the garden that night, which was a big, big deal for the NBA. As it went along, you know, it was a way for teams, you know, cities to showcase the game. There wasn't television. I mean, League Pass and free agency have done as much to... You know, reduce the novelty of it. I mean, I, I felt, you know, you mentioned baseball. Interleague play killed the NBA, MLB All Star game because now you don't have to really, you know, fantasize about what would happen if Big Poppy faced off against, you know, a, pl- a pitcher from the National League because you might see it during the regular season. Yeah. But it still comes down to respect for the game. Our tweet of the week is from the scribe, Bob Ryan, former Boston Globe. I guess you could call him scribe Emeritus for the Boston Globe. We all know him. He's a legendary writer for the Boston Celtics at Globe Bob Ryan, and he tweeted out during the game, Guillermo once again, these n b a stars are showing no respect for the game. It's another dunkarama and three point farce. Not a single hand in anyone's face. I see how Tur- I'll see how Turner Classic Movies is doing. See you next year. What a waste of time, Adam, meaning Silver. You must do something. It's embarrassing for your sport. Guillermo, Adam Silver brought back the East versus West format because the the AAU player draft wasn't working. He had Oscar Robertson and Larry Bird courtside. Bird, who talked about during the week leading up to the game, why you needed to play hard in these games. And I lasted exactly. 58 seconds, you know, first, first play of the game, Jason Tatum, corner three net. I know you and I were like, okay, here we go. You know? And, and then I think uh, Durant or somebody hit a three to tie it. And with 58 seconds into the game, LeBron James went right down Broadway, right down the middle of the lane. Players were jumping out of his way for him to get a wide open dunk. And I just thought, well, Adam Silver's best laid plans have gone awry. We're not going to have any defense. And boy, what did you say the score was? 200 and what?
1: Yeah, I know the East score, 211. Let me pull up with the West score. Sorry. Yeah,
0: 180, 180 something. Man. It's not important. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I got to agree, yeah, agree with Bob Ryan and Guillermo you're right about some of the reasons why this, this game has lost its luster, and we'll we'll get into each of the events. But I, I think it's disrespectful for players to say, well, maybe if you threw some money at me. I mean, the IST, you know, the Lakers and a few other teams played harder because they wanted that $500,000.
1: Right.
0: You know, you got to respect the game. And saying, well you got to pay me to play defense. These are supposed to be the best players in the world. These are supposed to be the guys who set the example and respect the game. So, no, I don't think they need to be paid for it. And, frankly, I'm at the point where if they're so – I mean, after we talked about Larry Bird. Anthony Edwards, after the game, said, hey, look, I just see it as an all-star game. I don't think we'll ever get back to the point where this game is competitive again. I'm paraphrasing what, what Ant said, but – That's essentially what he's, he became the poster child for the entitled NBA athlete. I think you get rid of the game. I think you get rid of the entire weekend. If the players want a week off, then, you know, we can still name an all-star team. And maybe if we named an all-star team instead of, you know, putting some people out on a court, maybe Derek White and Porzingis would have gotten their all-star positions that they deserved instead of... Adam Silver thinking, well, I want to draw fans from Canada. I want to, you know, draw fans from a big market in Atlanta. But I think if you get rid of the game, Guillermo, and just have 12 All-Stars from each conference, that still gives the players who have incentives in their contract the money for being selected as an All-Star. If they're so concerned about injuries, I mean, Guillermo, if the players don't care about the game, why should we?
1: Listen, I think we're taking the all-star games a little too serious. Like, yes, you know, Kobe Bryant talked about how he wanted to be competitive during it and really went at LeBron during an all-star game and said he wasn't going to score on him. And that's great. We, that's something we want, but if it's not going to be that way, I know Wick has been pushing for the Celtics to get another all-star game and it's looking like possibly 2029. Like I want that vibe, that atmosphere in town. I got to be in Phoenix when Phoenix had it. And it's just a vibe that the whole town gets. You get, you know, like we said, you get the skills challenge, the dunk contest, the three point, and then you get um, the all-star game. You get the celebrity game the Friday before with the rising stars. Like just to have those guys all in front of you and fine, they're not going to play defense and they're going to put up 200 points. Like you want to see those guys dunking and putting up threes and vibing out with each other and, um, you know, scoring to see who can get the all-star MVP. Cause you had a little tight race there with Dame Halliburton and even Jalen Brown. So I'm okay with it just being what it is. It's just, A all-star game that you know you can't take very seriously like Ant-Man said is probably not gonna be the defense that was there before and if you don't want to tune in and you want to go watch old movies then go ahead and do so but this is the new wave and every you're still gonna have people wanting to be part of it wanting to go to it and wanting to consume it at home
0: well it you know, you're not lying. I mean, ratings were up 14%. There is a younger audience that doesn't care as much about competition. It's a fashion show. I mean, right. literally, sure. you got the, you got the players coming in wearing their clothes. It's all about building their brands. But this is part of what we've gotten into, Guillermo, is this building, you know, players who don't care about their teams as much and don't care about their conferences. They care about their own personal brand all-star games are an opportunity to unveil the latest signature shoe and to make statements about themselves and et cetera. A lot of the media coverage was just, you know, some of this, you know, NBA, you know, first take on steroids. It's just, you know, I just can't wait for it to get over with and get back to competition. It would have been nice to see, you know, Jason Tatum going at Kevin Durant or LeBron and, and seeing teams, you know, fighting each other. Is that too much to ask for $40 million a year players? I don't think so, but we'll agree to disagree on this. Let's, let's get to the dunk contest and Jalen Brown. Um, You know, I thought Jalen did quite well. And, you know, the, the dunk contest is not what it once was. This, the the first NBA dunk contest, uh, because, you know, the dunk contest originated, I believe, in the ABA, which, you know, Indianapolis was an ABA franchise. So it was kind of fitting that 30 years later, uh, you had, the the uh, or 40 years later, <laughs> after the first dunk contest in 1984, you had one in Indianapolis. But here were the participants in 1984. Michael Cooper, who we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. Clyde the Glide Drexler Mm. of the Portland Trailblazers, Dr. J, Dr. Duncanstein, Daryl Griffith, Larry Nance, Ralph Sampson, Orlando Woolridge, the big O, and Dominique. These were the participants in the first NBA dunk contest. Fast forward to now, there's only four, and only two of them are NBA players, and one is a rookie. Yeah. Why are why does nobody want to do this anymore?
1: You know, it's one thing about the nowadays the social media aspect, and nobody wants to put themselves out there to quote unquote be clowned, right, or ridiculed, or trolled, or whatever it may be. And I give it to Jalen Brown; he's an all star. Uh, he's got his max contract, he's second team all, sorry, third, or was it second or third all NBA, Uh, so to put himself out there and try to, you know, put the message out to everybody, hey, let's bring this back, let's be part of it, let's, I mean, the last great one was Levine versus Gordon, that was great to have, and we have a few years from that now, so I I would want to see, you know, John Morant, Zion, Ant-Man, some of those high flyers in there and put themselves out there to, you know, be ridiculed, miss a dunk, you know, maybe not doing a great dunk. Some of those dunks that Jalen was doing, even even, uh, White Man Can Jump McClung was doing, weren't even all that spectacular, but... They just did it with such force and intentionality that you just had to love them.
0: And no, I love are...
1: the new scoring system where it's only from 40 to 50. That way a player is not getting a 36 and feeling like a bum.
0: Yeah. You know, Jalen Brown, I think was one of the heroes of all-star weekend. He had a pretty good all-star game too. What do you have 36 points or something like that? Right. Uh, he it looked like he was going hard the whole game, but his dunks were solid. They were very good. And, there was a showmanship i mean he has the power in his dunks that a dominique wilkins used to have back in the day and he paid homage to dominique he paid homage to our young man from boston who who was terence clark. Yeah. clark who was tragically killed in the, in the automobile accident um he Jason tried to Tate. pay
1: homage to d brown
0: yes so there were and and they were all good dunks i thought he did a great job we did not see one of the other two dunks that he had in the chamber because according to him the led court was a little too slippery but he did, he held up his end of the bargain mac mcclung is just a better contest dunker than him that's that's all there right. is to it right. but one of the best game dunkers in our modern generation showed out and i think that you know the cowards like anthony edwards and i'll call them cowards um, you know, they get zero credit and and Jalen gets some. And we'll talk about him a little bit later on in the show, because I think he had a great all-star weekend overall. As for some of the other things, uh, I think the highlight for me was Steph versus Sabrina. That was a sure. great, you know, that non-traditional event that I think, you know, maybe Caitlin Clark comes in and she gets into it. I think it's great to yeah. see the women's game coming up like this. Because Sabrina Ionescu is a hell of a shooter, but I can't wait to see Caitlin Clark. I mean, I don't know if you saw the shot she hit the other night to set the NCAA women's scoring record, but it was from the logo and it was a runner. It was, you know, iconic instant classic shot. And so something like that also builds interest. Uh, but Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they showed out for the Celtics and, uh, you know, they came back ready and rested and, and, uh, we're gonna see them tomorrow night in chi- or tonight in Chicago.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for Celtics basketball. I'm glad it's finally back. All Star Weekend, like I said, for me it was fun to have. It's always great to see all those guys together, getting along with each other. You saw Luca and Joker pranking each other, and um, you got even more media behind it. You. you have international media. You have people trying to get to know these players a little bit more in depth. Um, and a lot of it went to good causes throughout all of All-Star Weekend, and that's another great thing about it is, you know, you had Boys and Girls Club, you had Special Olympics, you had Sabrina and Steph's foundations. So for me, that the kids win at the end of the day, and that's what matters the most.
0: Well, that is true. And uh, the winner from the East winning the game, um, Special Olympics, Indiana, Got a donation for that. And uh, as we'll tell you later on in the show, there's an opportunity for you next week to be part of Special Olympics Massachusetts as Derek White's strike for Special Olympics on February 28th at King's on Dalton Street. Um, It's an opportunity for all of you to contribute to them as well. And when we come back, the season resumes tonight. The Celtics look tanned, rested, and ready to go. What is the best play? in terms of producing points in the NBA, and which player is the one bringing it. I'll give you a hint, it's the unicorn. Also, is Jason Tatum the best player in the NBA? Humbly, he says he is. We'll talk about that when we come back. Stay right there, you are inside Lucky's Lounge. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge everybody, the home for Boston Celtic fanatics everywhere. And Guillermo, I forgot to mention, if you are interested in that event, Derek White's Strikes for Special Olympics Mass, which is February 28th at, Dalt, at uh, Kings on Dalton Street. If you want to purchase a lane or get involved in any other way, make donations, all you got to do is send a, an email to bowl at org. Guillermo, the All-Star Game was mostly disappointment for me, but... I think all of us got a a warm feeling inside when we saw, for the first time ever, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in close proximity to none other than Larry Legend, and Larry Bird and Jason Tatum shared a moment, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, it was great to see those guys uh, share a moment. It was interesting to find out that that's the first time they've ever met, and they barely even got to interact. It was kind of just good to see you and honored to meet you. And um, even JB hasn't fully met Larry Brown. He uh, Sorry, Larry Bird. He only met him um, while Larry Bird gave a speech to the East All-Stars. Um, I really wish he would be able to, or they would be able to spend time with him just like they have with Garnett and Pierce, um, but Bird really hasn't been in Boston. He's kind of stayed home in Indiana.
0: Yeah, it was also unfortunate to see people on X and in media sort of criticizing the Celtics or criticizing Larry Bird for not coming back. I don't think they fully appreciate, number one, who Larry Bird is, and number two, you know, how badly the Celtics botched the whole Rick Patino situation. Because remember, when Rick Patino took control of the Celtics. He pushed Larry Bird out the door. Larry was in the front office of the Celtics. He demanded that he get the title of president. So they had to take that away from Red Auerbach. And Larry had a bad taste in his mouth. And let's face it, after his Celtic career and after he was pushed out of the door in Boston by Rick Pitino, he became a consultant and then coach of the year and general manager executive of the year for the Pacers. And he's, he's kind of had a second life as a Pacer, but the Celtics are unique as an organization because throughout their history, they've had legends walking around the practice facility and they still do. As you pointed out, I mean, you've got Garnett and Pierce in there. Rondo. Rondo. I mean, you've got multiple champions from the 2008 team that, that uh, you know, Work for the organization, uh, but Larry hasn't been one of them, and I do think that it is a great sign to see the two of them together. And maybe one day Larry will give him a call and, and give him some advice. I think there's a lot that both those guys could learn from Larry Bird.
1: Oh, definitely. I, like you said, I don't like the media and everybody's narrative of being astonished, just like I was, that you know, these guys haven't met in the seven years. That uh, Brown and Tatum have been in the league, but hopefully, Wick and Bird and even the Jays kind of see that and hopefully carve out a way or some time to uh, be able to reconnect and really get to know each other.
0: No, absolutely. Because Larry Bird in the 1980s, hands down, was the best player in the NBA. And speaking of that, Guillermo, Jason Tatum during All-Star Weekend in an interview with Malika Andrews of ESPN, told her that he believes that he is the best player in the NBA. What do you think of these comments?
1: I love it. You got to have that self-confidence as a player. And I think he is or is becoming the face of the NBA. And he even said, you know, once Bron leaves, that it's up for him to be able to grab that title. For me, I already think he is the face of the NBA. He has the most endorsement, most commercials, and any of the printing you know, posters, you'll see him on magazines for the NBA, or you'll see him on the IST in the middle slot with everybody else around him for the IST poster. Um, even in the NBA commercials, he's a part of those. So I love it. I love that he's taking the reins and and just running with it. And I think you have to be that self-confident in yourself if you're going to win a championship for the Boston Celtics and lead them throughout that way.
0: Well, I agree with you that you have to have that confidence. I always want players that think they're the best, that think they should be the ones to guard the other team's best player or to take that shot when the game is on the line. As far as telling the world that, though, I'm not so sure. Um, Larry Bird never would have said that to a a reporter. And in fact, he was telling other people that, you know, Magic Johnson was the best player. It's, It's sort of, you know, humility counts. And it reminds me of the famous British Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher, who once said, Being powerful is like being a lady. If you have to tell people you are, you aren't. And, uh, you know, I just sort of feel like, hey, JT, if you have to make the case for yourself, then you're probably not the guy yet. There's a lot of great players in this league. I mean, Nikola Jokic is one of them. He is the MVP of the world champions. Celtics didn't get it done. And, you know, until Jason Tatum gets it done, he will never be considered the best player in the league. A couple other random thoughts. I know you want to jump in. I should um, do. I do think that Jason Tatum has been judged unfairly by a lot of casual fans and others because yeah. of the success that he and the team had. I mean, as a rookie, as a second-year guy, as a fourth-year guy, he was leading his team to the conference finals year after year. And they were not super teams. Right. With Gordon Hayward and Kyrie injured, with Kemba injured. So he's a victim of his own success to a certain extent. And I'll just say one more thing. Yeah. When you talk about the face of the NBA, I agree with you. And part of that is his face. He's a very good-looking guy. (laughs) You know, remember, half the fans are women. And, you know, I'm not saying that it's just because of his looks, but you know, in the mid 80s, who was the NBA going to promote more? Magic or Larry? Yeah. I mean, obviously, Larry being the best player in the game and being a white star, maybe they were going to promote him. But Magic had the looks, he had the Hollywood flair. Uh, you know, Dennis Johnson was never going to be promoted more than, you know, a player like that. I mean, it's part of it is the aesthetics of it all. Tatum has all of that. He has a very a- a- aesthetically pleasing game, right. you know, and he can kind of do it also. I agree he's the face of the NBA but he will never be considered the best player until he does what these other guys did around age 27, talking about Jordan and those other guys, which is win his first championship.
1: And that's one thing that Tatum acknowledges. He knows he has to win a championship to, you know, quiet those doubters and for them to put him up on that quote unquote pedestal with those other guys. And he's acknowledged in the past, he said last year that Giannis was the best player. And he feels that he's a better player from the 22 finals. He feels that JB has become a better player. He feels like the team around him is a better team from the finals uh, experience that he had. So I think in culmination with everything combined, him being better, JB being better, the coaching staff being better from last year and even possibly better than the 22 uh, year. I mean, this is the year to really set the tone and put that cherry on top and put your stamp and become that other play, that next level player that you want to be and everybody to, you know, put you on that next level because you've been so close you've you've weathered the storm now whatever you learned from it you have a quote unquote super team that everybody's saying you have put around you what are you going to do to lead them to the uh, the promised land and the other aspect as far as the face of the league like he's for me I think he's the best American born player right like no shade to anybody in international. But Joker, Giannis, Embiid, you know, Luca, all those guys are great, but they're not American. And this is a league that's in America. And yes, you have the best players from around the world, but you're gonna wanna promote and have the main guy be someone who's American, especially with how the Olympics have, you know, kind of portrayed well, maybe. M- American basketball as a way. May-
0: maybe, but I mean, the biggest markets in the world are in Asia. You know, I don't think the NBA, sure, you you know, your fan base in the arenas, you know, is, is all American except for Toronto. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it is, a, that's a nice title to have, but you want to be the best player in the league. Um, I agree that he is so much better this year. Right. We talked about this last week. The game has slowed down for him. Yeah. He's such a good passer now. He's the game is just coming. He takes it as it comes to him. And I agree like you do that, you know, this team is better than the 2022 team. So we will see. Uh what do you think about this? Uh you know, the, the this off this uh All-Star break, we had a lot of media time to reflect on Okay, here we are. We're at the three quarter poll. You know, we got about a third of the season left. Who's going to win the championship? And people started going into their computers, all the stat geeks and coming with, you know, all of the different stats that show who the best team is, who the best players are. I want to go into a couple of these that I think you you will like to pick apart. One is the defense. and Jalen Brown. The Celtics are, I think, number three in the NBA in defense, Okay, behind Minnesota and and maybe OKC. Um, That's pretty darn good. And part of the reason for that, obviously, is we have the best backcourt in the NBA. But sneaky good defensively, Jalen Brown and Kristaps Porzingis both are among the best in the entire NBA in field goal percentage allowed, Guillermo, at less than 43%. Wow. Very impressive.
1: Yeah, JB has definitely stepped it up this year in terms of wanting to be hopefully first team all defense. You see him picking up full court. You see him picking up the best guy on the other team. You saw that a little bit from Tatum Uh, when the Thunder and the Celtics played against each other. He started to pick up SGA. Um, Like you said, we have a tremendous defensive backcourt. With the stock exchange of White and Holiday. And Sneaky is the big at Porzingis. I mean, he's averaging uh over a block a game. He's pretty good defensively at the at the paint. I mean, we and we didn't think we would get that. We thought we had that with Rob um and even may, maybe a little bit of Al. But with his size and length, he really doesn't have to do much but stretch and Get a good block. So I think Porzingis and his addition to this team, along with Holiday, because you had to come uh, somewhat like replace Brogdon and Smart with mm-hmm. their defense. But Porzingis has been the key to the Celtics success this season. And he's allowed the Jays to play a little more freely and have less. Weight on their shoulders, especially being in the third score. We need we always needed that third score consistently, and now the Celtics have it.
0: Well, now it sounds like you're you're transitioning to offense, Guillermo. So let's let's do that now. And we're gonna show you the power of Porzingis as we go through two different stats that deal with offensive efficiency. The first is pick pairs, and this comes to us from Sport Radar. And, you know, obviously the pick and roll is the the one staple of every team's offense, but yeah. they had analyzed the the pick pairs. In other words, the two players who are involved in pick and roll actions or pick and pop actions. And, and, and in order to qualify for this list, you had to have 150 screens set between the two players and far and away the, well, actually the, the one that has the most screens is Trey Young and Onyeka Okongwu. But number two on that list and number one in terms of efficiency was Halliburton and Turner of the Pacers. Mm-hmm. But the second best duo in the league is Jalen Brown and Kristaps Porzingis. They're averaging 1.24 points per screen set. That's a very impressive number, Guillermo.
1: Cookies and cream. We've seen it. Uh, it's great to have those guys be best buddies. They're doing podcasts together. They're taking car rides home together from uh, games and from uh, trips uh, to other cities. They live in the same building. It's just a great camaraderie that these guys have built. And JB even gave up his seat on the plane to Porzingis. So it's great that we see them with one point two four and then at fourth we have Tatum and Porzingis with 1.19 per um for 167 picks
0: yeah and, and just to give you an idea 1.19 at number 4 that's behind Lillard and Giannis but Murray and Jokic are at and and uh, Booker and Nurkic are at 1.15 so yeah. both combinations Brown and Tatum with Porzingis is elite to say the least. The next 000%. statistic, yeah. The next statistic we've got is from Todd Whitehead at. Let's see what's his handle, Guillermo at Crum. You got that at Crumpled Jumper. Yeah. Okay. At Crumpled Jumper, Todd Whitehead, who shows us each team's most productive action. Okay, so the the type of play that gives the most efficiency relative to the team's average, okay? And the number one play of any team in the NBA in terms of points per 100 possessions, number one in the (laughs) NBA is a Kristaps Porzingis post-up Guillermo, which is 1.4 points per 100 possessions, which beats the Celtics' average by almost a third of a point per possession. But it's by far the best in the NBA thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. Again, this is what KP has brought to the Celtics team. We know if he's healthy and he's out there, he just changes the offense entirely. And while I was bringing up offense, when we were talking defense is great lead, great defense leads to great offense. And with the defense that the Celtics bring, they're able to have easy offense, especially with KP out there. You dump it to him in the post He's going to dominate, especially with the new NBA and everybody switching. He is eating against anybody smaller than him. And at seven two, a lot of people are smaller than him. The only thing is he doesn't have, you know, the mass. So maybe a Bam will back him down a little bit or Embiid. We saw a little bit of that. And even Joker, I got to see that live and Joker was kind of beating up on him. Uh, but that's why we have Al Horford, right, is to take on those bigger guys. But Porzingis in the post has been tremendous. He's added 51 points just from being in the post. And especially with the pick and rolls in the with the Jays, he just brings that other element that I was talking about being that third score to allow the Jays to play freely, spot up shoot, cut to the basket, and you have to pick your poison as a defense, and you can't really double team a superstar like Jason Tatum.
0: Well, I mean our pace is a little bit slower than other teams because we are running those pick and rolls with Tatum, with Brown to try to create I mean once they switch the pick and roll, it's Porzingis over. Yeah, Porzingis just goes to the nail and we get it. And by far the best play in the NBA. To give you an idea, number two is Steph Curry and Draymond screenplay. And then Lillard and Giannis is is, you know, a little bit lower below that. But, uh, I mean, not even close. Nobody close to Porzingis on a post-up.
1: No, I wholeheartedly agree. But my biggest takeaway from both stats that we just looked at, uh, according to Sport Sport Radar, is, you know, the post, we've gone to Porzingis in the post 150 times. The Jalen Brown and Porzingis cookies and cream pick and roll, we've done 152 times. The JT and Porzingis pick and roll, we've done 167 times. Those are three plays that I really want the Celtics to go after a little bit more come playoff time. I know the Celtics are shooting a lot of threes. Missoula ball, we want 55 threes this year. Um, And they're shooting them well. Holiday's shooting tremendous from the corner. Al Horford is back on a tear. And even White has shot some tremendous threes. Uh, to really save the Celtics sometimes throughout these games. But those three post moves or pick and roll moves, I want to really uh, accentuate come playoff time. And I'm, I'm okay if they save it for playoff time.
0: No, absolutely. At Porzingis post-up, you mentioned 150 times. Well, how many games has he missed? You know, a lot. I mean, he missed the half of our last game. But he, he's rested a lot. I mean, right. if, he, if he had played every game, this number would be a lot higher. But again, there's no arguing with the points per play that he gets off of that. And it opens up the spacing for everybody else. You can play a four out with Porzingis at the high post. Um, it's it's just remarkable. Also on this chart, Guillermo, on each team's most productive action, not among the best, but it's – It's a play we're going to see a lot of tonight. The DeMar DeRozan ISO, 1.18 points per possession, which for Chicago is by far their best play, um, has added to 48 points for them. The Bulls, you know, since the end of November, you know, Zach Levine has been out. They've got great play from Kobe White and others, but they still have DeMar DeRozan, who's, you know, he's kind of like the Joe Johnson of the NBA today. Uh, who do the, How do the Celtics counter that and who guards DeRozan tonight?
1: Jalen Brown. Like we spoke about, he's been having guys shoot under 43%. I'm not too worried about one man and DeRozan trying to beat the Celtics. I think if Colby White and Caruso and Vucevic really chip in, then that's what will be an issue for the Celtics. But I think if you put JB on DeRozan, I think he'll lock him up.
0: We talked about the cookies and cream, the post-ups, Tatum. All of this adds into the number one offense right now in the NBA, Guillermo. Celtics are number one. And oh, by the way, since they have overtaken Indiana, the Celtics right now have the highest octane offense in NBA history.
1: Tremendous, tremendous, especially when that starting five is on the court. I mean, and then you have Horford, Pritchard, Hauser coming off the bench, six, seven, eight. Uh, it just doesn't matter if you throw in a set Hopefully we'll get to see a Tillman, uh, a Springer sprinkle in here and there. Um, so I, it's just this team is a, a deep threat that can bring it in all different types of ways.
0: Tillman active tonight for the Celtics as Jordan Walsh has been sent back to Maine to get some more playing time. And we'll probably see him maybe in in late March or April. Uh, It was great to see him get some minutes. One more thing. You mentioned Jalen Brown and I've seen a lot of Tatum and Brown this year being so gracious with the younger fans, with the kids. It's great to see because, you know, the, the fans that, get into NBA arenas, I could tell you from personal experience, they're paying a lot of money to be there. And the kids, they idolize and worship Tatum and Brown, and they're both signing autographs and talking to kids. We just saw Jalen Brown pop up in Puerto Rico after the All-Star game, and he was playing basketball with some young children on a court there. Uh, There was a lot of news made in Puerto Rico, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, sure was. So, uh, Anuel Doble A, who's a reggaeton artist, uh, played in the celebrity All Star game Friday and was there for the All Star festivities. And it looks like uh, JB flew out to Puerto Rico with him. Um, And they will be partnering to bring courts and more opportunities to kids out there in Puerto Rico. And even, uh, hopefully, some um, musical opportunities for the kids as well. Uh, it was great to see him have a great time out there in Puerto Rico, playing with the kids and, you know, using his platform. That's what JB said he was going to do. We saw him sign his $300 million contract with kids and MIT. And, um, he talked about Tremont Waters and how he had a special relationship with him. And remember Tremont Waters, was with Puerto Rico for the FIBA tournament, um, who's playing right now, I believe, in Taiwan. Uh, And then also Taco Fall will be playing in Puerto Rico coming up soon. Uh, So he just uh, really shouted out those guys and loves their continued basketball growth, even if it's not in the NBA. And it's just great to see him use his platform to... Build basketball courts in Boston, Puerto Rico, wherever it may be, and really cater to the kids, like you said.
0: Yeah. And, you know, for those that don't know, there is a FIBA Pro League. There might even be a couple, but there's certainly one in Puerto Rico. A lot yeah. of former NBA players do go down there. I think it's during the summer season. And right. look, I mean, Puerto Ricans will tell you, you know, I'm Puerto Rican. Before they'll say they're American. I mean, they have their own national team. Carlos Arroyo was an NBA player for many years. He led Team Puerto Rico to an upset victory over Paul Pierce and Team USA. But hey, Puerto Rico is America. You know, I mean, Tim Duncan came from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Puerto Rico is is also in the Caribbean, and because of partly because of some natural disasters that we've had down there and also some endemic government corruption that is down there. There's a lot of disadvantaged people and it's great to see somebody, especially an NBA star, shine a light on it and try to do something for those kids. And, you know, a, a huge percentage of NBA fans speak Spanish. And listen, if you've never been to Puerto Rico, which I have not, but I've, I've heard all the stories, it's a great vacation spot and I think a lot more of us need to go down there and and, uh, and and see what it's all about.
1: Yo soy Boricua, pa' que tu lo sepa. Yeah, like me being half Puerto Rican and I'm excited to go out there for my birthday this year in July. Uh, I think it's tremendous for him to take that partnership. Uh, we saw DeMarcus Cousins playing the, in uh, the Puerto Rican League. Um, Jose Alvarado from the Pelicans would have been with the FIBA team. If he wasn't uh, injured, uh, so it's it's definitely growing the game worldwide as we spoke about.
0: Absolutely. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about a little bit more about the All Star Games winning coach. Doc Rivers won a championship with the Celtics, but now he's getting clowned on Twitter. Plus, how badly have the Mavericks screwed up? Uh, some startling revelations coming from Jalen Brunson. We'll talk those stories. And more Celtics when we come back. You're inside Lucky's Lounge. Don't go away. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. Captain Ron Flanders here with Guillermo Diaz. And and Lucky's List comes now, Guillermo. And it's going to be a long one, so let's get right to it. We'll start with good news. Our prayers were answered. Item number one on Lucky's List. Scott Pollard has received his heart transplant. We're getting a lot of updates from the Pollard family. I believe he's still there at Vanderbilt Medical Center. It takes a while for the heart to take as it were, uh, but he's feeling stronger and the prognosis appears to be, let's keep our fingers crossed, very good for Scott to have an extended life. We're so happy for the Pollard family and, and thanks to everybody in Celtic Nation for including Scott in your prayers.
1: Yeah. Amen to that brother. Kudos to the surgeons and everybody in the medical field that were involved with that. And, uh, hope he has a healthy recovery and a speedy recovery.
0: It truly is amazing what modern medicine can do. And, uh, and it's, it's just a great thing for, for Scott, who, as I said, I went to high school with, and he's just a great human being. So that's great news. Item number two on Lucky's list from All-Star Weekend. And you mentioned it, Guillermo jordan jackson of the Maine celtics he won the g league dunk contest now granted a g leaguer won the nba dunk contest so
1: it's
0: (laughs) you know a little cheapened by that but listen jordan jackson put on a clinic in that and and he gets a trophy and uh smiles all around and it's another trophy for the celtics
1: yes sir hall of fame mother cheryl swoops that was interesting to find out. But yeah, Jordan Jackson, number 22 of the Maine Celtics. Be sure to tune in. He is a highlight reel waiting to happen, and he put on some tremendous dunks.
0: You know, it's not just Jordan Walsh and the three two-way guys that we've got down there, right? We also have Tony Snell. We yeah. have Jordan Jackson. Jackson's dunks, he jumped over one guy. He jumped over two guys. He rocked his mom's Houston Comets jersey. It it was great to see. So congratulations to him. Item number three on Lucky's list: the Celtics tweeting out this weekend, this past weekend, Joe Mazula with his favorite English football team, Manchester City, the defending uh, Europa, you know, or excuse me, Champions League champions and English Premiership champions. They won the treble last year, which is incredible. Um, And sitting there smiling with. Pep Guardiola, who's arguably the best football coach in the world. I like this, Guillermo.
1: I love it. You like it. I love it. I love when coaches uh, partner with other coaches. And Joe's talked about it in the past. You know, you never know what you could take from one sport and apply it to your sport. And I saw him in some of the pictures with their players. Um, I just love that Joe gets himself involved with other leagues and and really picks the brains of other coaches out there.
0: Man City is like the the you know the Boston Celtics offensively of the Premier League, and and Guardiola is like Missoula in a lot of ways, and and I hope that they picked each other's brains. Uh, although I'm a, a Man United fan, but I hope Missoula picked Pep's brain, and and I see only good things coming out of it. Item number three, Guillermo, you've got this one. We've all noticed. January Tatum you know February Tatum uh, he got out of a out of the gates a little bit slow from the three-point line and we talked about how bad his his dribble up threes were right he's a great catch and shoot guy but he started very slowly from the dribbling up apparently that's improved a great deal you've got something on that right
1: yeah so drew Hanlon asked uh, before jumping onto a flight you know for people to shoot questions, to him on X. And uh, one of the questions was uh, earlier this season, you know, we saw, like you said, Tatum struggling. And then now as of late, he's been pretty solid. So Drew Hanlon spoke to that. And uh, he said that his shot pocket was too high on his off dribble jumpers. We lowered it back to normal when he came to LA around Christmas. Remember the Laker game? Uh, He was shooting 29.9 off-dribble threes, and since then he's shooting 38.4 off-dribble threes.
0: I mean, I I can't tell you how. I mean, obviously 9% is huge, but if Jason Tatum is shooting 38% off-dribble threes and over 40% on catch-and-shoots, with the post-up game that he's added, it's lights out. It could be a, a very long run for the Celtics this season item number five it involves our former coach doc rivers who coached the eastern conference to the victory in the all-star game he's getting a lot of he's trending a lot now on x and others mm-hmm. because for a couple of reasons but first and foremost he sat down on sirius xm radio uh, for the starting lineup with frank isola and uh, former Suns gm ryan mcdonough who was with us for about 10 years as Danny Ainge's right hand. And he told them, apparently, uh, we'll see how much you believe this, he didn't want the Bucks' job. Listen to this.
1: Personally, I, you know, I, I'll you be honest, I, I told our owners uh, when they called, I said, I think
0: you, I don't understand why you're doing this. You know? Um, and they said, you know, one of the things they said was, well, it doesn't matter, We're, we've done it now. And, um, We 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 want you, and so that was a tough one. I didn't. That was that's where we had the hesitation. All right, just a refresher for those who aren't tracking this, but just a reminder: Doc Rivers was basically on retainer from the Bucks organization to mentor rookie coach Adrian Griffin, who was like thirty and eleven to start the season, and he was consulting you know he was consulting the owners and he says that he didn't want the job Guillermo do you believe this
1: I believe it I think I I do too I'm okay with Doc Rivers saying that we know he had a cushy analyst job back with ESPN and I think he enjoyed doing that and going across the country and watching basketball and giving his two cents to it I think he wanted a break from coaching especially how things ended with the 76ers.
0: I think both things can be true. That he likes being an analyst. He's very good at it, by the way, and and now yeah. that he's gone, I mean, it's much harder to just listen to Doris Burke get more airtime. But also he's a coach and he doesn't want to do anything else. Yeah. I think that, you know, if that's how it happened and I take doc to be an honest honorable man and they said, well, Doc'll do it. I mean, at that point, what do you do? Well, we already fired him. So do you want it or not? <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. if somebody says, look, um, here's the keys to, for, to a Ferrari. Do you want it or not? I mean, from a coaching perspective, very few rosters better than that one they've got up there in Milwaukee. So, so that's what happened over All-Star Weekend. That's what Doc was saying. But even before that, you know, after our last podcast, that night the Bucks played down in Memphis and lost to a Grizzlies team that was severely depleted to injury and yeah. after the game Doc you know pulled a, a, you know a Glenn Rivers the scene we've seen so many times before in Boston where he called out his players and said that half of them were in cabo before the game even started and so all of these comments swirling around caused kind of a firestorm because you know, J.J. Redick, who won't just retire, I mean, he's he's fast becoming one of the biggest media names in the NBA. He called out Doc Rivers and, and said, you know what, Doc, you can't just blame your players. You know, Doc Rivers is 3-7 and seven since he took over the Milwaukee Bucks. And you have Giannis, you have Dame. Um, you lost to a team full of G League guys. That's also on you. Lots of talk with Doc, some of Doc's current players, former players, and even his son coming to stick up for him. Right, Guillermo?
1: Yeah. uh, So to quote JJ Redick, he said, I've seen the trend for years. The trend is always making excuses. Um, we get it, taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard just like getting traded in the middle of the season is hard for a player but it's always an excuse there's never accountability with that guy and remember J.J. Redick is the guy taking over for his spot on ESPN uh, on mm-hmm. the sideline with Doris Burke, thank God but um, yeah, it's it's been a firestorm between J.J. Redick and then We've seen Austin Rivers come out and defend his dad and say that J.J. Redick uh, had his best years with his dad and his dad gave him a starting job when nobody else would. And then we also saw Pat Beverly come out, who's on the Bucks right now, and said J.J. Redick was just a spot-up shooter and shouldn't really be talking. Uh, but, yeah, everybody's chiming in on this.
0: Well, when J.J. Redick calls the next Bucks game – uh, I think he better have.
1: Secu-
0: <laughs> I think he better have some security nearby because uh, Patrick Beverly uh, apparently doesn't like him. But more to follow there. Uh, the Bucks had better start getting it together. Doc Rivers, you could tell in that interview, Guillermo, he feels a lot of pressure right now. Well, as speaking he- of, go ahead. No, as he should. Yeah, as as he should. I mean, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Item number six on Lucky's list. Uh, Speaking of coaches under pressure, one of them couldn't live up to it. Jacques Vaughn axed during the All-Star weekend. Uh, You know, you lose by 50 to a divisional rival. Quite embarrassing for the owners and and certainly for the general manager. So Jacques Vaughn is no longer an NBA coach. Uh, Not really fair, but he takes the fall. He's the third coach this season to lose his job, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, back-to-back losses to the Celtics. And like you said, that 50-piece doesn't sit, look good or sit right with owners or even NBA fans of the Brooklyn Nets after that happens going into All-Star break. Uh, I think it's a loss for the league. I hope he's able to stick somewhere else. I, I like Jock Vaughn as a coach. I like them as a player with the magic. And we see now Kevin Ollie, former UConn coach, stepping in. In the interim, and I believe you speculated that uh, Budenholzer is out there and could be possibly uh, joining the Nets, maybe in the off season.
0: Yeah, we're hearing a lot of whispers about Coach Bud, uh, Sean Marks, the GM. You know he he's had a very tumultuous time. I mean, you know, Big Baby Davis said this right after Kyrie stomped on the leprechaun. You know, you don't do that because there's karma. And there has been karma for Kyrie and for the Nets, if you want to call it that, if you believe in those sorts of things. Um, But, you know, they had to blow up the team because Kyrie and Durant demanded trades. They got saddled with Ben Simmons. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to go out there every night when you don't know if Simmons can play due to his back. And, you know, he plays great defense and gets you into transition, but they don't have guys that really fit together. And they also have players like Cam Thomas who can only do one thing. So I think, you know, Mark's, his plan is to try to get one or two star players somehow to put with Mikhail Bridges and maybe, you know, Cam Johnson. But uh, it was a roster mismatch and Jock Vaughn takes the fall. Item number seven on Lucky's list, another divisional rival, of the Philadelphia 76ers. They'll be hosting the Knicks tonight in a battle of, MASH units, as the injured Knicks without Julius Randle, who, by the way, may need surgery, he said yesterday. Um, He hasn't ruled that out. Go up against the Joel Embiid-less 76ers. Now, the 76ers' reports coming out of Philadelphia are that they are optimistic that Joel Embiid can return at the end of the regular season to try to get his legs for the playoffs. And you remember, Guillermo, last week I said if they were trying to get LeBron James in a trade when they could just get him in the offseason with cap money, that told me that they thought that Joel could come back. I think he'll be back in April. What do you think?
1: For me, I felt like it was an act of desperation because he may not be back and he may not be MVP and embedded. That we saw from last year, and even this year, he was on a tear. Um, I think there's more pressure on Maxi, more pressure on the rest of that roster that, you know, you thought was pretty deep. But you know, I think those are great NBA players, but they're not, you know, C or maybe even D caliber players. They they are players who can only do one thing, and that's kind of put the ball in the net and. A microwave like Harris and even Oubre. so I think it's an act of desperation. I think they're rushing this guy back, and I just hope Embiid is thinking about himself and not the Sixers so much.
0: Well, uh, speaking of a guy that can put it in the bucket, item number eight on Lucky's list involves the Knickerbockers and Jalen Brunson, who was an All Star over All Star Weekend. Just such a phenomenal player, and the Knicks' fortunes. Have changed since he put the ink on that max contract that he got with the Knicks. But yesterday on All the Smoke, the podcast with Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes, Jalen Brunson said, among other things, that he wanted to remain with the Mavericks and that when he was eligible for an extension in the 2021 offseason and during the 21 22 season, he tried twice. To sign a deal with the Mavericks that would have kept him in Mavericks blue for four years and only fifty was it fifty five million dollars? That's basically like the the mid level exception. He would have signed for four years, fifty five million, Guillermo, and twice the Mavs ghosted him.
1: Yeah, Cuban usually doesn't make you know those blunders uh, as a, a owner, but uh, we saw. You know, they signed Grant Williams and had to trade him in season because he didn't fit in with that roster. I think they improved with some of their moves they made uh, before or at the trade deadline with adding Gafford and adding PJ Washington. Uh, but that's a tremendous loss and not retaining Brunson and having him with Luka instead pairing Kyrie with Luka. Uh, we already know what Kyrie brings to the table in terms of his off-court uh, antics. Um, he's on the court; he's amazing, but injuries have plagued him, and they definitely fumbled the bag there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, if you listen to that podcast, uh, all the smoke, and you hear this, it's sort of like you know, just some somewhat circumstance because they did. They said no at the beginning of the season; they wanted to wait and see where he was. Twenty games in, Luca got hurt. Brunson got thrust into the starting lineup, started tearing it up. He went back to them, and they said, we'll see. I think they had their eyes on other big fish. And Brunson, under their tutelage, developed into a superstar or a budding superstar, and uh, and they blew it. And, and now the Knicks are reaping the rewards. And, you know, th- as we've talked about, if they can get healthy, they've got a really good roster, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, I'm – Truly intrigued about the Knicks. I think that's one team to definitely watch in the East. Uh, you know, they added Bojan. They added um, Alec Burks Alec Burks to that team. And like you said, they made uh, that trade for uh, Ananobi. If Randall can get healthy, do you know if Ananobi's back post-All-Star break or not sure? He, he
0: won't play tonight, but, okay. you know, he's, he's getting healthier. Uh, um, yeah. he'll be. You know, he'll be back soon. We don't know about Randall. Randall's working out twice a day, according to Tibbs, but he's not practicing yet. And and Randall said yesterday that he hasn't ruled out surgery. A dislocated shoulder could be very serious, but they'll be healthy in another month.
1: Yeah, and- Divincenzo's been balling for them. Hart's been balling those Villanova guys with Brunson, and if even they can get uh, Mitchell Robinson back as well, maybe. I know he was rumored to be out for the season, but look at Embiid potentially coming back. You never know. That team with Hartenstein is pretty deep.
0: Yep, and Hartenstein is back tonight as well. And we're going to see them uh, a little bit later on this week as we're going to get to just in a second. So let's get back to the Celtics. Item number nine on Lucky's list. A couple of items as players were asked during All-Star Weekend, all sorts of wacky, crazy questions about their fellow brothers in the NBA. And there were a couple of questions that were quite interesting that I know you were interested in. One of the questions was, which player in the NBA do you think could be a best-selling author? And the answer was a Celtic, Guillermo.
1: Yeah, Jalen Brown, because of his mind and uh, opinions on society, a lot of players saying most likely to write a best-selling book, Jalen Brown.
0: Hmm. I don't know what genre that would be, whether it would be a mystery, a romance novel, it could be a
1: philosophy
0: a, a philosophy book or a political <laughs> manifesto, but I would buy one.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: The other question was, which player in the NBA currently playing, and I think this was you know sort of in homage to LeBron James, but out of the players playing right now, which player do you think could play into their 40s and it was also a Celtic.
1: Jason Tatum, because of his body build and how he takes care of himself. Jason Tatum potentially playing into his 40s.
0: That is another interesting one. Um, I I think you could tell very early on that LeBron James was taking great care of himself, uh, whether it was with personal trainers, vitamins. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, (laughs) Tatum's game is... I don't know, you know. He he plays very hard. I hope so, I, you know. And and certainly he's in tremendous shape this season. And if he comes out like this every year, um, I hope so. And and I hope that uh, that we can see him in Boston all those years. You know, one thing, you know, we've seen this week with the All Star weekend is that today's NBA player is not like players of the past. You know, you you got to pay them extra for them to want to participate in regular season games. um, Maybe the all-star game, you know, show me the money, et cetera. There's a lack of defense and competition in the regular season. If you ask, I mean, ask somebody that you know, but you don't, you've never talked sports with them and say, do you like the NBA or college? And a lot of people say, well, I like college better. And you say, why? And they say, well, the NBA, they don't play any defense. Mm -hmm. And and you can tell right then and there that that person has never seen the NBA playoffs, Mm. but, but it's true that, you know, today's player doesn't play as hard in the regular season as in years past. And um, you know, it's harder to to get a guy that's going to play on the same team for their entire career. So you look at the Kobe Bryants of the world and, and other players like that. And you say, wow, hats off. And I think, Jason Tatum understands that, and so however long he does play, I hope it's in a Celtic jersey, and I think that both Jalen and Jason want to remain in Boston for their entire careers.
1: Yeah, he plays a finesse-style game, and I think, like you said, the way he plays, it doesn't maybe have much wear and tear on his body, even though he's played a lot of games in you know, going into playoffs, playing in the Olympics, but hey, you know we see LeBron James m- maybe wanting to play with Bronny, and maybe JT wants to play with Deuce in the NBA.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, and we've saw some clips of Deuce over the weekend. Oh yeah, make, making some shots. So his progression is coming along quite nicely. Well, uh, let's make it an even ten items on Lucky's list, and Guillermo, let's let's take a look at the week ahead. A reminder: the Celtics have. 27 games left, 13 of them at Boston Garden, but we start this next push on the road.
1: Yes, sir. So the Celtics are in Chicago to take on the Bulls tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern. I know you're very worried about that game. Then Saturday, they'll be taking on the New York Knickerbockers like we talked about at 8.30 Eastern. That should be a tremendous game, especially if the Knicks are getting healthy. And then Tuesday, they will take on the 76ers at home at 7 thirty, and uh, that'll start a three game home stand.
0: Wow. So by the time the Celtics get back from this road trip, we will have more games left at home than we will on the road. Um, the Philly game, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that one. Uh, but this road trip is gonna be a very good test, Guillermo. I mean, as I said, Chicago, they have the fourth best record in the Eastern Conference since late November. And I think they're better without Zach Levine. What do you expect tonight? And what do the Celtics need to do, you know, with a little bit of rust on them? Maybe both teams have rust on them. But what do the Celtics need to do to start this this second phase off with a W?
1: The Celtics need to come out strong in the first quarter as they have done all year long. And really play with pace. I know we, we talked about them playing at their own pace a little bit slower, but I think the bulls like to run and gun, especially with Caruso and Kobe White. Um, so I think they just have to bring it to them early and not let their foot off the gas pedal because that's a team. If Vucevic, DeRozan and those other two got even Caruso steps up, like, it should, it'll be a, a game if they allow it to be.
0: Well, you and I both have been waiting for a week for this game. It's like, oh. uh, you know, basketball is back tonight, everybody. Uh, everybody go watch that game. Uh, it should be on NBC Sports Boston. And, again, if you want to bowl with Derek White on the 28th, you can send an email to bowl at Special Olympics MA and give some money to a good cause and help these young Special Olympians. For Guillermo Diaz, I am Captain Ron Flanders. Thank you for listening to Lucky's Lounge. Let's go Celtics. We'll see you right back here next week. Have a great week, everybody.